It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Monday morning. Hope it's going well for you. Welcome to Light the Tower. On the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us. Pleased as always to be joined by my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County, proud graduate of Florence High School. Extremely proud. You know him best for his outstanding work at Horns twenty four seven. That's Jeff Howe, uh, and, and and I don't want to I don't want to start a thing here, but I just want you to know, and I I don't I, I probably doesn't I probably don't even need to say this. I'm sure you're well aware. Well, of it. now now you have to say it. So well, <laughs> yeah, every, when you say I probably shouldn't say it, and then you you know every, now it was always what did Craig have to say? No 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 no. And and first let us introduce our producer of course cameron yeah cameron parker is there how'd your weekend go cam it went good craig went good. very good good all i was going to say is and the reason why i said i probably shouldn't even say this because i know what kind of can of worms it opens but um you know so lynn and i went up to see the dodgers rangers game friday night and then when we were coming back on saturday course i-35 when you cross that williamson county line you're rolling right through the metropolis of gerald and i have to say jeff no matter what you say about it i hadn't really uh, i look you if you're going southbound and you look to the east the expanse of homes is almost farther than the eye can see now that the hint of rat pee just comes wafting across your nose well being apparently going to be shared by think about this it's probably going to be a population in the five figures here on the next census how much that community is growing they can call one of them subdivisions rat p acres all right and they're gonna you know they're gonna and it'd be long won't be long before there were 5a school jeff a 5a a 5a school where everybody's family tree has no branches nah, it's just nah, one nah, trunk nah, nah. it's getting to be too big for that now mm, I, I, don't just, know. I just want you to you know like i said you're I gonna have to sooner or later you'll have to delineate between new gerald and old gerald well I, I i just wanted to let you know that i saw that it's it, it continues to grow and i knew it was growing but i just happened to look and i was like i pointed it out to linda said look at that look at new much. gerald will be you know your average you know, probably multiple family, you know, single family home yep. and whatnot. And old Gerald will be like something out of deliverance. All right. They're not in the mountains. There's no water nearby. So just, you know. If you hear squealing and or banjos, just Quit. go the other way and you'll be you'll be good. Stop it. All so, right. Like I said, I knew what it would start, but I just wanted to. It was an observation. Feeling day. good on a Monday. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. All right. <laughs> How'd your weekend go? Uh, not too shabby. What did I do this weekend? Charlotte had a basketball game, so we're... How'd that work? Uh, you know, five-year-old basketball. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Shout out Sam Marcus Parks and Recreation. That's like herding cats. Mm-hmm. So sure kind of what you 
expect it would be. Okay. Uh, other than that, you know, just pretty, just not a whole lot going on this weekend. Yeah. You didn't do much cat herding. Uh, I'll tell you what I did do. What though. did you do? Uh, started watching the qu- uh, quarterback on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a four episodes in. Okay. I think I'm Enjoying four, it. four in about to be on five. Oh, man, it's awesome. That's Good what stuff. what everybody says. Good stuff. So I'll have to give that a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's cool. Um, so there's uh, – oh, here's Purple Buffalo's daddy weighing in there on the Specs text line at 337. <laughs> Three seven seven six five one two three three seven three seven seven six. Love the show that starts off talking about the Big J. He says, "Go Cougs." The and Bizarro Dale Dudley says those subdivisions are almost all the way to New Corn Hill. It's crazy out there. You want to give the you want to give the Jim Spencer history lesson on New Corn Hill? Uh, the the only thing that I remembered about New Corn Hill was that they were that they were uh, at KXN. They were talking about how there's tornadic activity headed there if you're in new corn hill i said does anybody even live in new corn hill because if you look at it, if you look at it on the map there's that th- th- there do not appear to be any residents and now there's farms obviously the church yeah yeah they're in new corn hill mm-hmm. so as opposed to just corn hill the original corn hill as as opposed to new corn hill but there it is <laughs> but you know one of the cool things about uh KXAN's meteorology department is that they will make you feel if you're in one of those far flung areas of their viewing area in a tiny little community like New Cornhill, they will let you know that they are thinking about you. If there's any kind of storm activity anywhere near, I'm looking at you, Muldoon. I'm looking <laughs> right. at you, Katempsey, you know, McDade. McDade. McDade's large compared to some of those some right. of the places that they they mention on it, but they they'll 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 toss it out there, you know. They'll they'll mention streeter or grit, you know. It'll 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 get tossed out there a little bit. So so that's cool. Um, so the uh, the uh, the weekend uh, came and went with uh, the Open Championship. I know you were probably glued to that watching uh, the Open Championship. Wasn't glued because Brian Harmon won the tournament. On yeah, Friday. He, he just kind of he kind of kind of took command of it on Friday he and did. just kind of maintained afterwards. When he had to respond, he did respond. Had a had a little hiccup or two and come right mm-hmm. back with a birdie or or a string of pars and then ultimately a birdie to make that uh, that one shot he dropped back. Just never was seriously challenged after that. After yeah. Friday, yeah, there was a chi- there was a. A time on Saturday when the lead got down to three, I think, after Harmon was two over, and then he came right back, had an excellent back nine. And I mean, he had, he had a big group of golfers at seven under, six under, five under, and yeah. he had Harmon by himself at 12, 13 under. So he was by far the best golfer on the field. And I thought the course was great. Conditions mm-hmm. were excellent yesterday. Nasty weather, just what you think of British golf. And so I think it proved to be an excellent test for the winner, which I think all four major championships this year did that that it did uh we uh also during the weekend at baseball astros dropped their first game of the year to the a's lost one took care of business the rest of the weekend had to get the ninth inning homer yesterday but they did and and uh meanwhile the rangers of course dropped two or three at, at home to the dodgers the, the the big story out of that weekend were the guys that got banged up 
uh, for the Rangers. Corey Seager, uh, when he went sliding into second on an eighth inning double, jammed a thumb. They're hoping he's not out more than 10 days, seven to 10 days. Uh, there's that. Um, uh, Adolis Garcia got hit, I think it was, it with, with the pitch. And, and so uh, was uh, they were just – he wasn't quite ready yesterday. He didn't go. J.D. Martinez for the Dodgers got banged up uh, and, and was a late scratch uh, yesterday. Uh, so now is this big series, Rangers-Astros, beginning tonight – which you can hear on AM 1260 tonight. So you got Rangers and Astros doing battle tonight. And it's it's going to be – I have a feeling this race is probably going to come to the wire for both of mm-hmm. these teams. It's, it's going to be kind of fun to watch to hear between these two, between the Rangers. And with the Rangers kind of resting Evaldi mm-hmm. at, at the moment, um, Astros kind of catch a break on that. So uh, so that helps, and it helps for them. Uh, but I think this, this thing is going to be – it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, Rangers have a three-game lead over the Astros, Craig. Um, I believe so far this season they've had two series. Rangers won mm-hmm. the first one. Astros won the second one. So it's been it's been pretty even all season. Yeah, yeah. So there's so there's that going on. Um, uh, NFL training camps open this week. Thank goodness. You fired up for that? Yes. Um. Hundred percent. Actually, it feel if starting uh, starting to feel like football is upon us. Yeah, yeah. Um, you look forward to Jerry's camp opening never. address. Never, well, never, never, and, no, uh, never, no. And uh, he'll open it, and uh, he'll be ready for camp. Yeah. So you're looking forward to the opening of camp, but not necessarily. This will probably one of the few times in the year that the kids let him in front of a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's on like what every Tuesday on the one hundred five three the fan to, in Dallas. And, you know, he does his deal. And I kind of feel I feel for the guys, you know, the the Clarence Hills and the John Machotas of the world who have to listen to that thing. Like, look, it's part of your job. You yeah. have to yeah. you have to listen to Jerry's radio interview and see what he says, even though he's going to say something completely asinine. That I'll tell you what, uh, Otter, you know, the Otter app that everybody uses. I don't know if people are familiar with it, but it transcribes. Yeah. It saves you a ton of time when you do what we do. Uh, Otter does Jerry no favors because you can even look really? at a tra- you can even look at a transcript of that and be like, I have no idea what the hell this guy just said. This is like three minutes of incoherent rambling and nothing resembling a rational thought. Okay, all right. Well, that'll be this week. He doesn't mean to be trite either, Craig. No, but he's smiling when he says it. Relative to the start of camp, so that'll happen this week. You ever been trite about anything in your life, Cameron? You ever been trite? Explain or well, give me the meaning of try. That's you know, one word we'll I do see, not have. And, and I'm, gl- I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you brought that up, and I'm glad Jeff brought that up because when Dave Garrett was doing the Cowboys play-by-play for three years uh, there in the mid '90s, including their last Super Bowl win, Jerry used to say it all the time. And it, I know it's a little trite to say this, and but as Dave said, Jerry's misapplying the definition of it. Yeah. He would say. I know it's a little trite, like he's being kind of cutesy or or saying no. The uh, the definition of trite, as I pull up on my dictionary dot com app, says trite lacking in freshness or effectiveness because of constant use or excessive repetition, hackneyed, stale. 
the trite phrases in his letter. Two, characterized by hackneyed expressions and ideas. Three, it's archaic, rubbed or worn by use. That's not how he applied yeah. it. He did it like it was like tongue-in-cheek. And I'm smiling when I say that. It's a little trite, but I'm sorry. No. My wife, that's my not wife, trite. Yeah. My wife once had a boss who was in the process of getting his Ph.D., yeah, and he would send emails, and it would just be. She's like, I don't think he's using these words in the proper context. I was like, Well, let me see that, and like, it's you're looking at words. I'm like, That's not what that means. That doesn't go there. I'm like, Just because you're educated doesn't mean you're smart per se. <laughs> yeah, uh, as somebody points out on our specs text line at three three seven three seven seven six. Have you ever been, as as he says, have you ever been lower than a crippled cricket's ace? And he says it like that. You know, it's like A-I-S-S, ace. Lower than a crippled cricket's ace. Uh, Are you allowed to use the word cripple in public anymore? I don't think. Yeah. Don't politi- a little politically know. incorrect now. Uh, you could say something like maybe it's it's a crippling blow to something like that. But I don't think it would be right <laughs> to call like, someone that. It's not like. It's not like when the late Red McCombs referred to a Texas quarterback yeah. as a half quote half gimp, half in a, gimp in a media availability one he time. They, he held he held court after an Alamo Bowl press yeah. conference. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. That was a that was an interesting time to be covering. Texas <laughs> Were you football. at that one? I was there. Yeah, was, was that, that the following one? the Oregon loss? That was no. That was pre. That was the that early was, one, right? Mm-hmm. The introductory thing the, way out at the when they had the golf tournament. Yeah, yeah. the golf tournament was that same day, and the and Oregon State one, wasn't it? Oregon. It was Mac Oregon. and Mark Helfrich. Oh yeah, and Mac does his thing, and we're all waiting for the bomb to drop, and they do the press conference. Mac leaves. I don't even think he did like a walk off or anything. I think he just got out. Yeah, and it was almost like Red McCombs sitting there, like, "Hey, you guys want my thoughts?" And Red just started talking and. He uttered that phrase, and we're all kind of looking at each other, like, "All right, well, we know we, we now we got to deal with this monster." Yeah, <laughs> as, as Tom Emily Wolf fan points out, as your inconceivable interests, I do not think you know what that means. Yeah, Mandy Patin can put it best there in that. So, uh, somebody else pointing out, Gerald lives rent free in Jeff's head. Uh, so. Everybody trying to live rent free in jail. It's easy to pay rent when you're paying. You don't have to pay rent on an outhouse or, oh, geez. whatever so, home on wheels you're occupying. Mm, that particular. That particular and I'm time. just here to tell you: look to the east there, and you'll see it. As someone points out, as Bizarro Dale Dudley pointed out, it's 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 moving toward Newcorn Hill. A Longhorn fan in Denton reminded me. I was trying to think what what asinine thing did Jerry say last year, <laughs> and it was the it was the Larry Lacewell. Uh, I don't even know if I could say it. Can you say? I guess you can, since Jerry did use the the word midget. Yeah, and it's kind of like crippled. It's in that, but it's in the way he area. used it, though. Like he was going to dress a little person up, like Larry Lacewell, and I don't remember. He just that was so wheels off. Craig, I'm trying to think. You remember the context in which Jerry used that comment? Like he was going to dress. A little person up like Larry Lacewell and just have him sitting on meetings, was it? It I was forget. something like that. It was I, as soon as he made that comment, I'm like, oh, my gosh, he just really went there, didn't he? Yeah, he did. That was that was Jerry. Yeah, it was. Thank you for the Pulp Fiction reference, Texter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the other things that we have going on. That phrase, Texter, by the way, just reminds me of that whole... That whole pawn shop scene in that movie, Cameron. You've seen Pulp Fiction, haven't you? Of course, yeah. Yeah, the whole Classic. pawn, the whole pawn uh-huh. shop Classic. scene is just uh, 
Poor Ving Rhames is all I'll say for those who haven't seen that yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, man, I'm pretty far from okay. Um, other things that we have to do today, obviously we'll give away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. We've been doing it uh, starting in June, and we'll do it throughout the rest of our time together uh, on this program. Uh, so we have this week and then the first two days of next week before uh, we – Lock up and head out. Uh, you know, at least uh, for uh, light the tower. Did did it work out, uh, Cam? With the uh, remember, we went to the twentieth texter on Friday because the phone banks were down. So it we did. got you got a twentieth texter to got. Yeah, if I can pull up his name because I don't remember from last Friday, but it did work out. Um, the text lex text specs line was blown up. I feel bad for Say and Ty who had to deal and navigate through all the clutter because they were still going in strong even after. Well, show fortunately, the phone banks are up and running and everything good. So, because it was up for the Blitz this morning, right? I think so. Yeah. So, good to go. Well, at some point, we'll give away another copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Also, today, uh, in our um, Flex 30 update, uh, All Flex Team Roman Numeral 2, Season 2, where we unveil yeah. the offensive and defensive linemen. So, we'll do that. Uh, that's that's coming up uh, in a little while, so we'll look forward to that. Uh, somebody said, Jeff, did you or do you have any relatives in Gerald? I don't think you do. Negative. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think so. Negative. Um, uh, someone else said, uh, I'm a uh, native of Georgetown since '72. Too many folks moving into my town. Used to take five minutes to get anywhere. Not anymore. I will. Here's something else. I will. I will let you know. Too, if you if you want to see, and, and I know many folks will have lots of different examples of this, and that's cool, and and I that's fine too. If you want to see some examples of where the growth explosion is happening, there's there's two obviously down south, Hayes County, you see mm-hmm. it there, yeah. it's all over the place there, and then up north, what we were talking about in Williamson County, uh, again when uh. Linda and I were driving back. Uh, we went through Gerald, obviously saw it, and then we got off shortly after that on the far north end of Ronald Reagan Boulevard, which is Exit Two Seventy One. You know, mm-hmm. it swings out west and then south, eventually to become Palmer Lane once it crosses Fourteen Thirty One. Right. If you go south on there, and you've been down there, so you know, and you pass and Sun City will be on your left, the back side of Sun City, and mm-hmm. you're going on down. If you're going down there, and you just take a look over the vast expanse of land, you'll see the vast expanse of growth and ongoing growth that's going to eventually take Liberty Hill to, from a high school football perspective, 6A status. It's only a matter of time. And uh, probably Georgetown as well when you look on the other side there. I mean, the further south you go before you get to 1431, the more of it you see. You know, yeah. you'll, you'll pass as Bob Cole likes to say, Santa Rita Ranch. You know, you'll pass that. You'll all, that others, all those other places. And it's just, it's unbelievable, the explosivity. I won't be able to say anything about Gerald after too long, because before you know it, like Leander, Liberty Hill, up up to Florence, up to Gerald, probably south of Salado, it's all just going to kind of blend together. It's going to be one big megalopoli, is what it it will be, of of several together. I mean, that's, that's the growth in the area. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I'm with you. 
Uh, all that folks, it's too much growth. It's going to listen. Yeah, this, it all caps. It's going to happen. Stop moving to Williamson County. It's going to happen, though. It's just it, 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 people are looking for the space of it, so it is going to happen. Craig, you just want to reiterate this. We got a one text that says, uh, "Where where are we locking up and going?" That they've been out of state. You just want to reiterate for do what? Says, what? Says, where is Light the Tower locking up and going? Sorry, I've been out of state. Did I miss something? Well, yeah, I think you did. Yeah, I, I mean the, the the best way to to see a more explanation is go to the, the Horns Facebook page or Twitter as an explanation. Of, I think it's the pinned post on Twitter. Yeah, if you just go to that, it'll explain everything, not just about our show, uh, but of all the shows uh, here. And there will be continued programming still in the evaluative and and uh, in formulative stages. Uh, starting a week from Wednesday on August 2nd on 101.9 and AM 1260. It'll still be there on 101.9 and AM 1260. There will be, a, there will be programming both of a local and national nature uh, and some play-by-play properties and things like that. That will be there. But the programs that you're listening to right now, those will uh, hit ex- expiration date. Um, a week from tomorrow will be the final show for... Uh, this show for B&E, for Chad and Zay, and uh, also for Ball Don't Lie. Those shows will have their final shows a week from tomorrow. Then there will be, um, I think the word restructuring has been used quite a bit, so I guess you could say that. There'll be some restructuring, and there'll be some people involved with that. Most will not be, as it says in there, most... Uh, most will not be involved with that. Uh, we've already uh, pointed it out. We did this last week. Um, uh, our last day as the program will be uh, next week, and it'll it'll be uh, my final day here. And folks understand what the the way the math works on that sort of thing with regard to um, with, uh, what, no, relative to. Uh, <laughs> You're not with, being trite when you yeah, say yeah, this. and I'm not being trite with the. Uh, uh, with the Longhorn Game Day broadcast leaving uh, Austin Radio Network, and I'll be leaving as well. But there will be uh, there will be more announcements and more things coming up. I think for all of the people who are affected by this, all who are involved in these changes, so you will you'll learn more. We've told you as much as we really know to this point. Those who are uh, staying in those who are leaving and the programs that will be going away, and then we'll see where it leads from there. And that's the truth. That's where that's where it is uh, at, the, at the moment. So, anyway, so there you go. Somebody said, Craig, if a high school splits into two high schools, does the 6A school drop in classification? How does that work? Friendship will be doing so in 2025. Uh, it's all about enrollment. It, it, it all really and truly, it depends on how many kids – we're in the school to begin with. A school like Friendship that would be splitting in the two, I would say, would definitely expect to drop in classification. Friendship would drop out of that 6A district that includes the Permian Basin schools. So uh, it would happen that way. If it is the addition of a new high school, it might or might not uh, affect other than the population base. For example, uh, Stony Point was in the state's highest classification. It was one of the higher enrollments in the uh, in the area. And then when Cedar Ridge was built, I believe Craig Cheshire said they lost fully over a third of their student body. Not just, you know, football 
players. This is this has been back several years ago, obviously, but they lost a uh, like a third of the student body uh, when Cedar Ridge opened because at the time, Stony was the only school on the east side, the only uh, east of I thirty five for uh, in the Round Rock ISD. Right off Mays, yeah. So so a lot of those kids that were over and then on anything east of I thirty five, a lot of those kids were going to Stony Point. Well, then of course they'd be redistricted, uh, living closer to um, uh, living uh, much closer over to to uh, Cedar Ridge. A lot of kids who lived over off of that east side and off of Gatta School and all of that that area over on that east side, east of I-35. So that's how a lot of that works, but it just depends on what you keep. Now, ultimately, Stony Point's growth uh, enabled it to remain still a 6A school, but it has one of the smaller enrollments in that district now uh, in uh, 25-6A as a result of that. So... Anyway, that's it, it just depends. It's all on enrollment. The UIL sets that number every year. This fall will be a um for want of a better term, it's a it's a it's a census taking that the UIL will do. We'll do the uh the daily snapshot attendance thing, the ADM, the average daily membership, the enrollment. They'll they'll compile those numbers during the fall that then sets in motion the brand new realignment. All you have to do is remember that realignment happens every other year and it always happens, it goes into effect on an even-numbered year. So it's a two-year cycle. They do it every couple of years because they need to, because of the growth, and in some cases because of the retraction of, of students. If you go into the inner city schools, like the Dallas Independent School District, the Houston ISD, uh, inside of the San Antonio ISD where enrollments uh, are shrinking, then there's retooling and some schools get closed. And then there is, to use the texter's point, complete reclassification and brand new schools. In Wichita Falls, they're combining three high schools, uh, Old High, Wichita Falls High, Wichita Falls Rider, and Hershey will all be in combination to form one high school. So... There are a lot of factors that go into it, but it but it still boils down to enrollment, and they usually are keeping the enrollment in the twenty two hundred and fifty range, maybe the twenty three hundred, something like that. It'll depend on the growth. So this last year, there was some pretty big realignment moves with LBJ Austin and a few other from the six A five A schools. Mm-hmm. Craig, in your estimate, you think it will be just as big for the Centex area in twenty twenty four? You mentioned Liberty Hill as a possible team that mm-hmm. will have to move up to that six A range. Yeah, remember that LBJ opted up, yeah. too, which you can do if you are classified in a classification that is lower than you want to participate in, you can request to opt up. And, and the best example of this is inner city schools to help alleviate uh, prohibitive travel costs. Remember, LBJ as a 4A was in that district. They had Lampasas in it, and it had Canyon Fredericksburg. Lake, Fredericksburg. So, yeah, so they ended up opting up to be back in that 5A district, uh, even though they had 4A numbers, to be in that 5A district with McCallum and, and, uh, you know, and and Navarro Early College and all of those to do that. And so it it obviously didn't hurt them much from that perspective. But some schools really get hurt by it when they Mm -hmm. have to opt up uh, as a result. So that's... That's how a lot of that works with it. And it'll be interesting to see what the enrollment numbers that get turned in. Now, remember, Liberty Hill was a 5AD2 school, so I can't see them in this alignment jumping all the way to 6A. But it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility they could be a 5AD1 
depending on what the, the growth is. And again, yep. if you're rolling down Ronald Reagan Boulevard or going down 29 over there near Seward Junction or or out that way, you you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. You'll see it. It'll all be there. All right. Uh, coming up, we have a Longhorn notebook that we'll get to the first one of this hour. Um, why don't we put that phone bank to the test right now? Be caller number eight to get a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Be caller number eight and you'll win a copy of the 2023 edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine from Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049 1019 AM twelve sixty. We're live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. light the tower on the horn craig and jeff with you okay i tossed it out there as the acid test did it work it's funny how i said acid right when the beatles were doing it in the late 60s everything anyway, uh the, the, did we get a winner for the uh, copy of dave campbell's texas football magazine we did listening from fayetteville arkansas <laughs> rick carthel and he won last year, so going back-to-back. Back. Is he an Arkansas fan? No, he's a big Texas Longhorn Okay, fan. very good, very good. Hope. Just in uh, enemy territory. Okay, so hopefully that helps him ease through uh, life in the hills there. Good for you, Rick. Congratulations. Out in the holler. Yeah. Where the Longhorns will be in 2024 for football. Speaking of Longhorns, it is time now for our Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. So we kind of got to have a season preview slash camp preview because, you know, I've, uh, I'm, I'm down to this is one of my last five shows, so don't have a lot of time to get this done in. But I want this to be more discussion than anything. And the topic that I had today for us, gentlemen, I want to look at kind of X factors, like guys that you think swing certain positions, can okay. raise the ceiling of this team. And, like, yeah, we can all agree that if Quinn Ewers plays up to his paper, that this team's ceiling for wins and what they can do significantly goes higher. But I'll give you kind of two two names, one that I've talked about a lot, one I haven't mentioned in a while, that I think really if these guys are, are up to top form – if they start to make an upward trend, I think it really changes the complexion of things on both sides of the ball. Defensively, the guy I've talked a lot about is Terrence Brooks yes. at that field corner. I just think if you get that field corner locked down, because you already know what you've got at your boundary corner in Ryan Watts, you feel pretty good about your safety group with Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford. And if Jalen Catalan's healthy, I think you feel excellent about your safety group and that's not to mention what you could get from a Larry Turner Gooden or a BJ Allen or Derek Williams who got on campus this summer that's safe the arrow is pointing up for the safety group on the 40 acres Jade Barrett at that nickel position but your defense you can have a one of the better back ends in the big 12 there I say in the conversation for the best if Terrence Brooks can lock down that field corner position Craig I would rather if I'm if I'm PK and Terry Joseph, I would rather not have a revolving door at that position. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I keep pointing to Terrence Brooks, not only was it because he got starts last year, but when Deshaun Jameson was injured those few times and he had to go in there, like I know Austin Jordan played a lot against Alabama. 
Right. But in conference play, specifically the TCU game, when you had to put Terrence Brooks in there and suddenly he had to play high leverage snaps, he was really, really good. Like, outstanding. And and the true mark of a corner. When you notice him, it's usually not for anything bad. So Terrence Brooks is one of my X factors. And then on offense, I think the guy that can – we talk about the need. And I go to uh, Horns 24-7, kind of one of the ongoing topics throughout the offseason – uh, my colleague Chip Brown has a piece up on this. It's kind of more of a column with just some thoughts. How and when will Texas run the football in 2023? I think we all agree a lot of that's dependent on the offensive line and the mm-hmm. growth of that group. And when I look at the pieces that Kyle Flood has to work with, you know, you got really lucky last year. You were really fortunate to get through all 13 games with the same starting five for all 13 games. And really, other than... You, know, you had a couple of opportunities like the Kansas game where you were able to get mm-hmm. some guys in, and then the Baylor game where Cole Hudson gets hurt and then DJ Campbell has to finish it off. You really didn't have to rotate guys all that much. But I do think if you're going to have more of a – I don't even want to say a rotation. If you're going to have more of a, a mix of that group, more guys that you consider starting caliber players that you wouldn't hesitate to put in, there's a tackle has to be a part of that group because DJ Campbell's not really a tackle. Nato Meazulu I think could be a tackle maybe in a pinch. But if Cameron Williams is right, if Cameron Williams is ready to roll, mm-hmm. now you've got a guy that you know without question is a backup tackle, and I think you feel much better about how all the other pieces fit. Because if one, if you lose one of your tackles right now, knock on wood and heaven forbid, like if something were to happen to Kelvin Banks or Christian Jones where you lost them for any significant stretch of time, what are you going to do for a backup tackle right now? Probably, I don't know, it might be to kick Hayden Connor out to tackle and then put mm-hmm. one of those other two youngsters at guard. But if you had Cameron Williams as one of those really six, seven, eight guys that you trust to play star, like starter snaps, you could just plug him into one of those spots and keep rolling. So I think for defense, for the reasons why I mentioned, I think it ties everything together if you get Terrence Brooks at that field corner to lock it down. And then Cameron Williams as your, as your number one, your true backup tackle at both spots. I think those guys completely change the complexion on their respective sides of the ball. Mm, okay. What you what you what you think, Cam? You got anybody else that you would throw into that discussion? No, because I think it all depends on the health. I'm just depending on the health of this Texas secondary, and it goes back to a guy who was I think he was an X factor listed in the Horns two four seven piece last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the stampede about Jalen Catalan. If he yeah, stays the, the healthy, insider. Yeah. insider yep. If he stays healthy, what that can do for the Texas defense. So that's where I'm at with Texas football right now. Craig, I want to point to another guy that I think could, at at least just in terms of solidifying a position. David Bend is one of the kind of guys you root for, right? I know you have to kind of stay impartial, but over the years, whenever we talk Texas football, I know you like the story of kind of the veteran guy that's hung around and paid his dues, and then by the end, he earns himself a prominent role and ends up Mm -hmm. producing, right? We think Chris Whaley... John Harris, yep. Fozzie when he finally got healthy. Yep. You think about all these different guys. David Chris Obaniah. Ben- yeah, David Bend has kind of got to be one of those guys you root for, right? Yep, absolutely. And and more importantly, far more importantly than me or, or any fans doing it, is that his teammates seem to sure. really be heavily rooting for him, and obviously his coaches. Yeah. Um, the other position I wanted to, I wanted to have was some it, dis- it Jalen Ford that said Jalen Ford yeah. that said that Benda has come so far mm-hmm. and has worked so hard and it's true and you could see I think it. when I asked about Benda I think his exact words are I wish everybody could see how hard he's worked to get to where he is listen I I understand and uh, and in large measure with a lot of elements of it agree with a lot of what folks have said about Tom Herman's time at Texas but Tom Herman did say early on about David Benda he said that this guy 
could be an impact player someday. Mm-hmm. He saw him being a, a true impact player, could be that. Well, now's the time if it's going to happen. I think probably if you, if you look at what's left of that 2019 class at this point, I think he might have been as impacted by coaching changes as anybody left on the roster, right? Because you think his first year he's playing for Todd Orlando as his coordinator and position coach. That changes before the bowl game. Mm-hmm. 2020. He's got Chris Ash as his coordinator. Coleman Hutzler as his position coach. That changes after the season. And then 2021, he's got Jeff Choate and Pete Kwiatkowski. It changes again. And so last year was the first time in his career that he had the same position coach and the same coordinator two years in a row. Now he's going into year three, understanding the nuances of this defense, understanding kind of what Jeff Choate wants and expects. And uh, putts number 13 on the Specs text line points out another guy that we talk about, man, Alfred Collins. Because if he can put it all together, he and Sweat, I mean, Tavondre Sweat, could be pretty formidable tandem on the D-line. If you go back and read the insider that we had last week at Horns 24-7, not that Alfred Collins hasn't been getting it done this offseason, but it sounds like Vernon Broughton, like the, the fire might have been lit under Vernon Broughton. Yep. To where now he there people are seeing it in the workouts consistently day in and day out, getting the same level of production. I know it's summer workouts. It's not what's happening on the field in pads. But at least you're getting a consistent level of something from Vernon Broughton, which just hasn't been there in his career. So I think whether it's one of either one of those guys, throw Trill Carter in there, that young group of guys, you know, Aaron Bryant, Zach Swanson, those guys. I think if you can get like three of those guys to be quality backup players, you've got one of the deepest defensive tackle rotations in the country at that point. If you can count on four or five guys that you would trust to put in the game in a high leverage situation. Mm-hmm. So whether it's Collins or Broughton, I would agree, though one of those guys can – because, yes, Texas had talent on the interior D-line, but the advantage that Bo Davis had, you could rotate. You none, Those guys, they didn't have an opportunity to get tired. As good as you were against the run, and when you were able to get people off the field on third down, even if you didn't, well, you could rotate some fresh bodies in there. So those guys never really had the opportunity to get tired. Everybody was fresh. And you're talking to, to guys like, like Coburn and, and Moro Ojimo last year, they said, hey, whatever snaps you get, you have to give max effort because maybe those one or two plays where you're not producing, you you might not get any more snaps after that. So it creates a sense of urgency, but you have to have the depth there. That's the key to be able to have a productive interior defensive line, especially with as much space and pace offense as you see now. The, the days of, you know, and he's uh, th- nobody that, like, no prominent Longhorn, nobody that's got their number on the wall. My favorite Longhorn of all time is Casey Hampton. Mm-hmm. Gone are the days, Craig, where Casey was going to play. 70 snaps. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> 95% yeah. of the snaps yeah. on defense just because he's he was a rare breed, right? Even if you've got those guys that are rare breeds, you still have probably three to four guys that you really trust to be starters, and you mm-hmm. want them. You'd rather have a guy, I think you're more effective at 35 to 40 snaps than you are at 65 to 70 snaps or right. whatever the case is. So, yeah, I think Broughton or Collins or Trill Carter, one of those, some of those interior D linemen need to step up. Like I've, I've said this all offseason about D tackles. I'm not worried about Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat being as good as Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojimo were last year. I'm worried about can Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, Trill Carter, can that group, can two of those guys be as good as Sweat and Murphy were last year? in the reserve roles. That, to me, is the key with that group. Yeah. And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter who it is. As long as... As long as it's the, somebody. Yeah, in, in, steps in Bo, forward. And Bo Davis has some bodies to choose from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, our, uh, I just figured that'd be some, some good discussion. Absolutely. Hey, the other position I wanted to get some conversation on, though, 
Where are you guys at on tight end? Because I think we can all agree that like the drop off from Jatavian Sanders to whoever's next is is Grand Canyon size, right? It's chasmic. And you'll probably see Texas as a result. I don't think I'm sharing any trade secrets here. Uh play more eleven personnel, one running back, one tight end this year rather than what they were last year. You know, twelve personnel last year suited them well. Run, one running back, two tight ends, even though Gunnar Helm wasn't overwhelming in a pass game. You trusted he and JT Sanders as blockers, and it was really Sark doubling down on the advantage that he had. And your advantage was I've got with the two guys I've got in the backfield, I've got probably the deepest running back room in the country. And you look at the games they closed out, you know, the Iowa State game, the Baylor game, even the K State game. I'm going to double down on the advantage I've got at running back. I'm going to play with bigger personnel and try Mm -hmm. to maximize my edge running the football. Mm -hmm. Even though you can look at times where Texas abandoned the run, whatever. That's a discussion for another day. But I think now the advantage is, okay, I've got this deep group of receivers, especially a guy we haven't mentioned yet. Cam, I I think you mentioned him last week, Isaiah Nayer. If he's healthy, Mm -hmm. if he's able to go, now you've got this advantage with your depth at wide receiver that I need to take advantage of this if you're Sark. So you're probably going to play more 11 personnel. Uh, that this is why, though I think all that said, that's what that's what makes Jatavian Sanders to me, other than Quinn Ewers, the most indispensable piece on this football team. He's the one guy outside of quarterback you can't have anything happen to him because yep. if something does, you cannot replace what he brings to the table. And that's no disrespect to Gunnar Helm or Juan Davis or anybody else. I'm sure to say you're not in on Patrick Bayouth. Yeah, you, you're just not going to be able to replicate that skill set. Yeah. So I think as long as you're a base 11 personnel team, I don't worry about it too much. Uh, you know, you they will be in 12 personnel sometimes, you know, short yardage, goal line, red zone, those areas. I say that, but then, I mean, we've seen some of these wide receivers be really capable blockers, especially, you know, Jordan mm-hmm. Whittington's done it. You know, A.D. Mitchell sure. played in an offense at Georgia where that was a prerequisite. So maybe you just don't play as much 12 personnel this year. Maybe it's a development year. And this is another reason why I like the Jody Camillus hire. We talked about this on Longhorn Blitz a few weeks ago. If I'm Sark, maybe I bring in Jody Camillus to help with special teams because I tell Jeff Banks, I know you're one of the best special team coordinators in the country, but I really need you to focus on getting the rest of that tight end room up to speed and finding me a reliable number two. And even I know Will Randall's recovering from the ACO, but right. you've got Spencer Shannon on campus right now. I need you to work with that group. Get a guy like Juan Davis. Mm-hmm. Get him to take make incremental improvements in his game. So that way you've at least got some – you can at least get a plan together if something were to happen to JT Sanders. Even through the course of a game, if he, you know, the borrow the old Tom Herman term, if he breaks his shoelace – and has to miss a couple of plays. What are you going to do? Well, you got to get somebody ready to go in. Even though we know the drop off is there, you got to make do with what you got. Um, uh, isn't it your Blitz Longhorn Blitz podcast partner Rod Baver's uh, eternal beating of the d- drum? To go with twenty one personnel, a lot more twenty one. Doesn't he want to go with the two well, back? Well, that ones? was that was last year when you yeah. had the two backs. I don't know that you need to do it as much this year. You can the, the beauty with this offense, and we'll actually get into this because we're doing part two of our Longhorn Blitz mailbag this week. Part one was okay. last week. We got over thirty, almost forty questions submitted for that mailbag. Just Craig, for that was, alone, yeah, yeah. I was really surprised uh, at the amount of feedback we got. One of the questions was, "How do you use Jordan Whittington? How do you best use him?" Well. Yes, he's a slot receiver, but you talk about a guy that handled the ball the way he did in high school. The fact that he his first semester at Texas, he worked with the running back group. And I'll even say this on Jay Wood. I'm glad that he admitted to us something that I've wanted to ask him 
for a while. When he made that move to running back, it did seem like he put on too much muscle too fast, and his body was wound a little too tight. And maybe that's why he had some of the injury issues mm-hmm. that he dealt with. But he's he's a little leaner now, a little more flexible. He was talking about that when he was yeah. with us in Arlington, yeah. wasn't he? But he still has that same skill set to be a guy that can get it on a jet sweep or a bubble screen. Mm-hmm. And I think to me, the extension of the run game is something you can see because one of the things, because Bijan and Roshan were so impactful, I think one of the things that went underreported that I don't think we talked about enough were there was the steps that Keelan Robinson made as a receiver last year. I mean, now you can sneak him out on a wheel route. You can right. get him down the seam. You can throw him a screen, and he can make things happen. So between Jordan Whittington, Keelan Robinson, Savion Red making that transition from receiver to running back, another guy that – Played some some quarterback in high school. Uh, you've got multiple options to where it might not be true twenty one or twenty personnel, but the extension of the run game, your swing passes, your bubble screens, getting it to guys in space. That's kind of that's the kind of stuff you're looking for. It's kind of like in twenty nineteen with Devin Duvernay, yeah. as much as many screens as he caught. I think like sixty five percent of the passes he caught that year were at or behind the line of scrimmage. They're just long handoffs. Yep. You know. It's the things that used to drive Longhorn fans crazy when, when uh, Greg Davis would call for the bubble screen. Yeah, but if you remember the air raid offense, one of the knocks on the original air raid, the Mike Leach air raid, was, oh, man, you don't run the football. Well, you know, if I throw a swing pass to Torian Henderson and he gains six yards, yeah, what's the difference between him catching a swing pass for six yards or running an off-tackle play for six yards? It's still six yards. It doesn't matter how you get it. You're still getting six yards. It's this thing that Mack and Greg Davis used to say. Was it's, it, it were, it's like the same thing as a running play for us when they would do that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, I think it's still, correct me if I'm wrong, is it four of the top five offensive seasons in Longhorn football history? Or with Greg Davis' That might have changed. I'll, go, I'll, I'll pull yeah. up the record book in, uh, during the break. Yeah. But you know, you know when the screen game changed at Texas, though? When you got guys like Quan Cosby and sure. Jordan Shipley that were really good in, well, in screen, I don't know that I've ever seen a Texas, and I'm not just saying this because he's a friend of the station, a friend of the show, mm-hmm. and a friend of ours. I don't know that I've seen a Texas receiver that was as good in the screen game as Quan Cosby. Mm-hmm. That just, it, but Quan's another guy. Yeah, played quarterback in high school. Yep. knew how to handle the football. Just yep. had a knack for how to work through traffic. Quan Cosby and L.J. Humphrey to me are the two guys that, I, for very different reasons. I don't think I've ever seen two Texas receivers. Throw Kwame Cavill in there, too. Uh, Kwame's another guy that handled the ball a lot in high school. Guys that understood how to play two and through traffic. Those three guys, I think, are above everybody else in terms of their ability to operate in a screen game no on doubt. the perimeter. Uh, on the Specs text line, somebody said, Craig, I'll take the over. Over on 10 offensive plays for Patrick Bay with this the season. Over? Over. How about that? Over. He's got a lot of bodies. He's got a pass. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see about that. JT, Juan Davis, <laughs> Gunnar Helm. CB, our man, says Casey Hampton reminds us, 2000 Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Casey Hampton had a 100-tackle season as a nose tackle. Think about that. Had 20 tackles for loss that year. Go back and look at Casey Hampton's 2000 season. It boggles the mind, the yeah. numbers he put up. Yeah. Uh, a couple of high school-related questions. Somebody said in the community impact news, uh, Liberty Hill is going to get a second high school. Yep, I, I was talking about in the most immediately, uh, immediate uh, realignment, the next one coming around the corner. It'll be interesting to see if that one's included. Because quite often, until the school is completely has four full classes, they won't go into full UIL competition. But it would affect the number. 
uh, obviously. And then for the person who said, can school districts still make the decision not to put their two high schools in the same district like San Angelo did to avoid crosstown rivalries? Uh, that's, uh, th- to borrow Jeff's phrase, that's apples and pomegranates because San Angelo Central was a 6A school and Lakeview is a 4A. They're not in the same classification. So it wouldn't matter. They would not be in the same district uh, in terms of competition. UIL competition would, you know, assign those to their uh, their competitive districts. Um, but, you know, San Angelo Central is a 6A school and Lakeview is a 4A. So that's why uh, they would not be in the same. All right. Hey, real quick, Craig, one other football note. Are you going to refer to the Alabama game on September 9th? By its official name, which What's is it the, called now, the All State Crossbar yeah, Classic. Uh, I will. That's a Learfield deal. I will read the appropriate uh, sponsor-related co- uh, uh, copy <laughs> for it. I mean, that's just to clarify. Be... That's going to be an annual thing, not just involving Texas Alabama, but that that kind of big game. In there week will be two. a game designated, yeah. yeah, as that. Just like you, it was played in a neutral on a neutral field at one time. The uh, the Texas NC State game in '99 was that not like the Eddie Robinson Classic? It was the Black the... Coaches Association. Yeah, yeah. It was called back then. Yeah, uh, the Black Coaches Association. That was uh, a, that used to be a neutral classic. field, but then at some point they just started picking games. random games. Yep, yeah. yep, that's true. They did. Uh, all right, uh, coming up, uh, we'll have inconceivable. We've got that next here on Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM twelve sixty. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. Well, uh, several different things for inconceivable here on a Monday to shake it up and get it rolling here on this Monday morning. First of all, uh, we have a uh, food-related item, but it is not fast food. Uh, in fact, not only is it not fast food, it it is a restaurant, but it's rather unusual. This, uh, hey, by the way, speaking of fast food and grab and go stuff, shout out to Quick Trip for uh. They came be, through for being you. Readily available for my breakfast stop this morning. A little QT action there on the northbound side, I thirty five near my, Kyle. My wife always gives me grief. She's like, "Why do you need like the extra large cup?" I'm like, "Because <laughs> you know how much tea that is. It's just a good way yeah. to start the day." Yeah, and if you put I, a healthy amount of ice in it too. Yeah. Why do I? Why do I need sixty four ounces of tea? Because I want sixty four ounces of tea. Because you can. That's yep. why. It's like black and peach green tea. It's like their uh, yeah, you know, that mixture sugar, thing. Sugar, uh, no zero calorie bit they mm. do there. Yeah. Do you guys eat oranges? Just regular oranges? <sighs> not as much as I used to. Right. No, right. Not I'm, really. I'm more of a vitamin C supplement guy. Now. Okay. See, Cam, you would strike me as an orange eater. Yeah. But you're not. No. Okay. I'm not a big fruit guy. I'll do smoothies and stuff, but I just like actually just like grabbing a piece of fruit and yep. just eating it. Yep, nah. not for you. You okay. more of a vegetable guy, Cam? Love vegetables. Okay. Big veggie okay. guy over here. Okay. Um, a customer was left speechless at a restaurant uh, when he was charged uh, for uh, an orange that the staff accused him of stealing. So there's this viral TikTok video. It's got over 10 million views. Frankie Bernstein uh, has a short clip titled Stolen Orange. 
So he's at the restaurant. He's peeling an orange to eat. He's quickly interrupted by a staff member saying, excuse me, those oranges we use to make drinks with. We're in a citrus shortage, she says. And she takes away the remaining oranges from the counter. They were sitting on the counter, and he just picked one off the counter when he went. So he thought she was joking about the deal. Then he Uh got the bill. Yeah, he got billed $12 for the orange. Good Lord. Everything that he ordered at the restaurant, burgers, chicken skewers, prawns, oysters. Had himself quite a meal. Uh, uh, So $12. He said, you were serious? She goes, yeah, I was serious. It turns out that they charged him such a high amount to ensure he wouldn't do it again. He <laughs> said, I learned my lesson. But Orange, aren't you glad I didn't take a banana? He said, so, uh, yeah. Uh, somebody said, uh, uh, it, it's citrus shortage, huh? I guess there might be a tip shortage. <laughs> so, <laughs> been on that. I don't know. Uh, By the way, we are in a citrus shortage. Yeah, yeah. Because I think everything's a shortage right now. Of the Florida, the Florida, the crops in Florida. So, can I just read you guys this quick from USA Today? Yeah. Uh, This was from June 21st, about a month ago. Predict crop production numbers have been dropping since December 2022 when the U.S. Department of Agriculture National Agricultural Statistics Service, say that five times fast, estimated that 20 million boxes of oranges would be produced. 20 million boxes would have been a 51% decrease from 2021, but the state produced just under 16 million boxes of oranges through May, which amounts to a 60% decline in production. Wow. Okay. You know what? They don't have... Probably noticed your OJ being a little more expensive. Yeah. Or a $12 orange. Uh, <laughs> you know what they do not have a shortage of in Florida? Alligators. Idiots. Oh. That's Alligators. Uh, there's a shot of one that was hanging out by the road... But here's the deal. He's just trying to find some shade. That's exactly what it is. He's hanging out. It just happened to be the shade was at the bus stop. Uh, this happened not in one of our usual offending counties of Florida. This was in Pasco County. Maybe he has a smaller medulla oblongata and is not as ornery. Yeah. Uh, somebody, uh, the Go Pasco County Public Transportation wrote on its Twitter and Facebook pages, why did the alligator cross the road to get to the bus stop on time? So... Florida is home to an estimated 1.3 million alligators, according to the Florida Wildlife Commission. Uh, obviously, they're found mainly in freshwater lakes, ponds, swamps, and slow-moving rivers, although often they will venture into residential areas in search of a food and a mate. That happens with people at this radio station. They venture into residential areas in search of food and a mate sometimes. The female alligators rarely exceed 10 feet in length. The males can grow to lengths of over 14 feet and weigh over 1,000 pounds. Was he laid in the grass right there, too? Uh, it was. There is. I bet you that grass felt good on his belly and he got yeah. up some shade. Yeah. He, he, don't, he doesn't want to bother nobody. Yeah, yeah. He just, wants to, he just wants to cool down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So that was the deal. Just kind of minding his own business, like the one that was crossing the tee box when I was playing golf there in North Carolina. Yeah. The second one wanted to be left alone. He was just crunching down on a big box turtle. That's See, I, I like to pretend that, like, if animals could talk, that gator would just tell people, like, hey, I'm not going to bite you. I just I just want some shade and to cool off a little bit. Y'all just go go get on your bus. Just don't, yeah. don't pay me any attention. Um, you won't even know I'm here. Cam, you didn't see either of the two big box office movie releases uh, this weekend. No, not yet. No Barbie, no Oppenheimer, no ba- uh, Barbenheimer. It's all sold out. Yeah. All sold out. Um. Uh, I heard Jeff went. He was in a, a pink suit, pink pants, pink hat, salmon colored, sir. Yeah, 
<laughs> my daughters went to see Barbie last night. Took my granddaughter with them, so that was fun. Um, Did they like it? Uh, any, any feedback yet? Yeah, it was Barbie. They liked it. You know, they liked it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Oppenheimer, of course, has some controversy attached to it with all of the, you know, atomic energy things like that. But apparently, there's something else that's caused a problem. There is a sex scene with Killian Murphy and Florence Pugh. Spoiler now, alert. Uh, but it's not, it's not, I don't think it's because of gratuitous nudity or whatever. It's not that. But it has sparked a controversy among the Hindu right in India, with some calling for a boycott and demanding of the removal of the scene. The reason is, in the scene, um... Uh, Florence Pugh stops during the activity and picks up a copy of uh, one of the Hindu holy scriptures and asks Murphy to read from it. And he reads, and I quote, Now I am become death, the death, the destroyer of worlds. So obviously, you know, the, 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 the movie's making the connection. Christopher Nolan's making the connection there. But, but it's caused outrage among some groups in India, calling it a disturbing attack on Hinduism and accusing it of being part of a larger conspiracy by anti-Hindu forces. So just bear that in mind if you go to see Oppenheimer that there's there could be an issue there with it. Um, you guys know I like to find out what's going on in the world uh, uh, biologically. Of course. Uh, um did you guys know that there's a gravity hole in the middle of the Indian Ocean? I did not. Yeah, and apparently they know why. A they gravity didn't. hole. Yep, yep. See that? Like a time travel hole? There? It's a gravity hole. It's where the Earth's gravitational pull is weaker, the mass is lower than normal, and the sea level dips by over 100 meters, 328 feet. Wow. This anomaly has puzzled geologists for a long time, but now... Researchers from the Indian Science of uh, Indian Institute of Science in Bengaluru, India, have found what they believe is a credible explanation for its falcation, uh, for its formation. It is plumes of magma uh, coming from deep inside the planet, much like those that led to the creation of volcanoes. So, magma is the reason for that. To borrow from Doctor Evil. And uh, finally, I don't know if you guys heard about this. A little inconceivable in my residence community of Georgetown. Ooh. How about the plane crashing into the home? Oh, my goodness. Small plane. Yeah. Saw that over the weekend. Fortunately, uh, no one killed three people sent to a hospital because the plane crashed into a vacant two-story home there in Georgetown. The fire department said uh, it crashed just before noon. Three people were in the plane, moved to a hospital. So they said, uh, stay away from the area yesterday where, where that took place there. Right off of Williams Drive. It's not far there on that northwest side there. So hopefully everybody will recover nicely from that. Uh, we'll move on to the second hour of the program. We'll continue to take your call. Uh, Longhorn Bear pulled, pointed out the woman was killed on uh, Yellowstone Trail on Saturday. Yeah, I think it was a grizzly bear did that. See, that didn't... Longhorn Bear didn't put it in inconceivable because people messing with bears in Yellowstone unfortunately happens all too often. Leave the bears alone. 
Somebody else today, I think I saw Gravity Hole play at the Mohawk a while back. Great band. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah. So, uh, Cooter said, wait, they took the orange away from him. Then char- No, no, no. He was eating the orange when they, they came. Took the bowl, they, they took the bowl. They took the rest of the oranges away. Yeah. Yeah, that was the deal. So, there you go. All right. CB loved Oppenheimer. Said it was good, and it's long. All right. Next hour coming up on Light the Tower. 